This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. I would now like to um, introduce uh, uh, Ms. Michelle Blakely, who is the Deputy Director of First Five San Mateo County. Uh, Ms. Blakely has over 30 years of experience uh, in um, nonprofit private philanthropy and public service sectors in child and uh, family serving organizations and is currently serving as the deputy director of First Five San Mateo County. She's a former Head Start staff alum. Colleagues describe her as an enthusiastic visionary leader with great people skills, practical mindedness, and creativity. She enjoys serving in an advisory role for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion, and belonging groups locally and regionally. She's a graduate of Southern Methodist University and San Francisco State. Um, and uh, for those of you, especially um, from outside of California, FIRST Five is a state-funded effort in California to develop a comprehensive, integrated, and coordinated system for children prenatal through age five and their families to promote, support, and optimize early childhood development. Uh, Ms. Blakely will discuss developmental screening in communities of color. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Thank you, John. I'm going to start to share my screen. I am so happy and honored to be here just to spend a little time this morning to talk about something that's very passionate to me, both personally and professionally. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is one of the one of my favorite uh, jobs, I think it more of a vocation that I had several, many years ago, I was a director of an early intervention program. So we were a California state vendored local nonprofit, and we served infants and toddlers and babies and families um, that just recently had diagnosis of special needs. And it was one of the most beautiful and rewarding jobs I ever had. So I'm just really happy to talk to you a little bit about um, a fun, fun project and discussions we've had locally in our county and across the state, attitude, access, and barriers towards developmental screening and connection to services in communities of color. No conflicts of interest. So, you know, I just love this quote um, by James Baldwin. And he says, you know, these are all our children and we will benefit by or pay for what they become. And I really believe that. I believe as a former direct service provider and as a funder and a policymaker, I um, see the stats in terms of our country and our public will and what, how we support children, how we support the developmental skill of all of our families, and we can definitely invest more. So I am just, I just love this quote from James Baldwin. And um, if you don't know who he is, he's an American writer from the civil rights era really elegant, African-American, and really talked a lot about systems and institutions and gender and race. Um, just one of my favorite quotes, and I use it a lot. So what I'll be talking about a little bit today is to tell you a personal screening story. We're going to go a little bit deeper into feedback from wonderful families locally in San Mateo County in the Black Infant Health Program. I'm going to share with you some additional data and context for other communities of color because in our goal, in my vision, all of us, as we all elevate and reach our needs, is the best for humanity. 
And then I'm going to talk about some local opportunities in California and give you some tidbits on strategies that have worked um, locally for, uh, for our work with healthcare providers. And I'm hoping really um, as part of my talk is that hopefully some of the commentary, some of the information will inspire inquiry. Um, inquiry is just a process I believe that I've used as a professional and my colleagues and people that I admire in the work and from families and parents just to really think about how we implement our work, how we work with each other. So hopefully some of what I talk about today will inspire that in you and inspire and have um, conversation around strategies and engagement or spark that remembering. I believe we all come to this work um, as a vocation and a passion, and it's very hard work that we do. Um, and the continual learning is really important for us as well as our colleagues. So I'll start with this personal story. Um, this picture is from the 80s, and this tall uh, gentleman here is my dad. Um, this is my little brother, Maurice. And these two ladies in the back are two of my favorite people. They're um, the one lady on the left is Ricotta, actually is my mom's best friend. And this is Miss Malone in the red. She's actually the first adult immigrant that I met. And that's me as a little baby. My brother and I looked a lot alike. Um, the story is really about him. Um, and I think, you know, as I've gotten older to think about what inspires me or what has motivated me to go into the work that I do, I think this is a story which is going to tie into the importance of um, having those conversations with family, early identification and screening. So my brother and I are uh, about five years apart. And I remember going, we had the same pediatrician. This is in Houston, Texas. I'm originally from Texas. And I remember going to the pediatrician together with my mom and being in the room. Oops, sorry. And really, you know, my mother talking about my brother's behavior and concerns about that. Um, she'd been hearing comments from his preschool teachers. And I loved our pediatrician, Dr. Mack, um, African-American doctor. And I just remember time after time going to the pediatrician office and my mother explaining this and wondering, you know, is this typical behavior? Should we, you know, is, you know, what can I expect? And I just remember at the time, was a lot of conversation around he's a boy, he'll grow out of it. It's just, um, and actually the arc of the story did not end well for my brother. Um, he was later diagnosed as a young adult um, with a mental health disorder that could have been identified earlier. And um, I just remember looking back on that and thinking, wow, how would that experience have been different, both from the understanding of my family of what was available and what was going on, and both from the physician really understanding um, or asking those inquiry questions um, to better engage in that. And it's just really, really stuck with me. So um, right out of college, um, I uh, started working for Head Start. I majored in psychology and I jumped into being doing mental health and disabilities. It was just something that felt very natural to me. So I do think this is an inspiration and a just for some of the projects that we fund and we work with is to how do we support all folks that are involved with children, their preschool teachers, their health providers, their physicians, to really understand and know the importance of surveillance and using a screening tool. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, information from families um, in a local Black infant health program in San Mateo County. 
um, about a year and a half ago, maybe close to two years ago, um, our Help Me Grow Physicians Advisory Group and uh, asked for this presentation around Black infant health. And I'll talk a little bit more about Help Me Grow. If you're um, in other parts of the country, Help Me Grow Network is a national system to help health providers link families and work with families to services. But um, our health advisory committee, um, which have wonderful five or six physicians on this committee, wanted to go deeper and just learn um, more about a community around Black and health. So the next few slides I'm going to share with you are feedback from the wonderful staff in this program and the families in this program about their experiences and attitudes and barriers in screening. And I just want to thank the staff and the family in this program for being very honest and authentic and sharing this information which I believe, although it is talking directly to Black and African-American families, there are themes that are resonant across all of our families. So if you don't know, Black infant health programs were started uh, in 1989 in California, San Mateo joined in 89. The goal is to, to improve long-term outcomes for Black babies and African-Americans and morbidity, and it is still a problem. And there's a full range of services offered, um, case management, health, breastfeeding, all of those services that are wraparound and comprehensive for families. Um, currently, there are 13 programs in California, Black Infant Health. Um, there recently, which is exciting, um, there will be expansion of the number of those programs in California. So that's really, um, I think, fantastic news. So this is still, I still look at these stats um, and um, yeah, black, black babies are three times more likely to be born premature and low birth rate and still suffer birth complications to be born sick. And as we know, um, these factors can lead to delays in infant and child development. And as a routine part of this program, developmental screenings are done for families. Now, this is a list of barriers that families reported and the staff collected, and we're going to go a little bit more deeply into each of these, but stigma, the distrust of the healthcare system, criminalization of Black parents, discrimination, racism. I added oppression. I think that's another sort of more of a uh, less implicit uh, feeling that families have culturally incompetent services, access and convenience, and lack of family and peer support. So stigma is a big one. Um, and um, you may have recognized this from some of the clients that you work with or experience with families. The parents reported that, you know, there's a stigma around thinking something may be wrong with their baby. Um, nothing's wrong with my child. I grow out of it, which is exactly the comment that I remember from a child hearing a lot about my brother in his earliest years. There's shame around being judged. There may be denials about having delays, fear that your child may be mistreated. There's always family and peer pressure and the parent may have these delays. So they're just a rich combination. There's so much to impact and stigma, um, but these are the ones that these families reported and we can surely understand um, how that may be scary for families. Distrust of the healthcare system historically, and as you, I'm sure most of you know, there's lots of resources and instances of that. 
Um, and because of the distrust um, of the history of that, um, I mean, many of you have heard about Henrietta Locks and how we're still using the cells from her body to treat um, and make medications and improve healthcare. Um, but Miss Black parents feel that they don't have the child's best interests. They're still afraid of medical abuse. Of certainly, all of the history in the last few years relative to COVID really kind of exacerbated a lot of this fear, and also being down talked to down to providers. Um, these are some of the experiences that families feel may be uh, barriers to services and screening. Criminalization, there's always the concern that maybe my babies will be removed or maybe they're to blame for that. And certainly there's statistical data in your community through ever where we can look really deeply about all ethnicities and the rate of referrals and when children are removed. Those are really critically and very important data um, to pay attention to. Racism, as it's been elevated in the last few years because of issues um, um, in our society, um, and really afraid that the child will not receive the adequate services and believe that your child is not valued. And as I said before, um, these parents are really speaking from their experience, but I think we can all make those connections to how we feel to a lot of the families that we serve. These are institutional, really ingrained things in a lot of our programs that families um, um, distrust and have a fear of. Culturally incompetent services. I was really very intrigued um, uh, about number two and number three relative to how screening tools may not culturally fit. A lot of times we also focus on language um, and, you know, making sure maybe it's the sixth grade level to complete a, a parent engagement tool. But what about that cultural fit? We should inqu inquire about what we're utilizing to really best meet the family's needs. And then how do we ingest intervention? There's always this tension between, which is great, our evidence-based um, interventions, our promising practices interventions, and maybe there's interventions that are along the way that may support the family. So these are tensions that providers and practitioners are always struggling with. And we know that our end goal is really to make sure that the interventions map it, match up with the child and the family. Access and convenience. This is something we also struggle with for many years. You know, parents are concerned. Do I have to pay? What about my other children? Will it interfere with work? Um, can I get these services or will they come to me? You know, there's a willingness for some families to have home visits. Maybe some families don't want to have home visits. Um, will the school be able to accommodate my needs? All of these are barriers um, for families experience and think about often. Peer support, lack of family and peer support. We know that there's others involved in raising children. So what does grandma and uncle and friends and all of those uh, family members think about? especially if they're distrustful of health care. Um, and um, it's really important to really think about how the, the information is delivered to parents, how they're really thinking about the information you're providing them. It's hard work that we all do, but these are very real experiences that families have had. So one other thing that Siobhan, and she's the wonderful program manager at uh, Black Infant Health, talked about 
when we said, well, then what are some solutions for working with uh, Black families that you guys experienced in this very small program, which, by the way, is rooted in equity? It is an equity program to address um, uh, the challenges of Black babies. And one of the things I was uh, really excited about, she said, check our own bias. You know, all of us are learning on this journey both implicitly and implicitly. So what are the things that I'm thinking about that I may have a bias about um, um, as I'm working with families? Warm handoffs are great. We know that there are trusted messengers. Um, both physicians are trusted messengers, teachers, families, friends. So warm handoffs are really a good way to build that trust and build that relationship um, as you're working with families. And making screening and interventions more culturally competent. I think that's something we can look at a full array of our tools, even the IQ assessments. Like what, how are those really matching the beautiful cultures that we have in our country? I think that's an inquiry and a, and a place for policy um, growth and change. This next bullet about being a partner and not the expert is really critical. And I'll share, I'll share a story towards the end that really highlights that point. Um, but being a partner on this journey with families is really important. Of course, make services as convenient as possible. And that's hard to do, um, especially when we all are reached capacity, especially for the workforce, right? We're working long hours. We're working. It's just, um, it's an interesting challenge that we all have to both be provider and convenient and also support the families and involve the whole family. So who's most important with that, with that child to be able to help those interventions work to help those connections and help them move along. So we were really excited and very happy just to have um, the families share and trust and provide their feedback and their challenges. And locally, what we're doing is it really informed our work and outreach through our Help Me Grow program um, to outreach with families, to better engage, and to really think about how do we support families through that work. This is one of my favorite, favorite quotes. Um, um, if you haven't read it, there's a wonderful report um, provided by the First Five Center, which is our statewide policy arm, and the UCSF Preterm Birth Initiative Report. And for simple and working with Black families about building trust. And she says, because the African-American culture doesn't trust easily for our county, meaning San Francisco, we prioritize building that relationship with our participants. And when you build that relationship, it opens up opportunities to share because they trust you. If I, as a participant, trust you and you give me the information, I'm going to utilize it. I trust that you want what's best for me. And I think that is just a beautiful example and a beautiful way of thinking about partnering um, with families. And now I want to talk a little bit about um, other data for communities of color. Um, um, it's just really a joy to work with um, all families and kids and babies are my favorite. So let's jump into some data. So um, locally in California, um, um, you all may know about the children Children's Now Children's Report Card. If you haven't, you'll see it at the bottom here. Um, check it out. It's a wonderful report that's produced every year that looks at the state of the children in California. 
And this data that I'm talking about in the next couple of slides are from the 2022 report. The 2023 report is what was released in January. And so I'm looking forward, I'm still reading through that to jump into that. But last year, I could imagine we haven't made huge, huge gains. Um, how do we do in California in terms of healthcare? Our grades range from an A minus in health insurance. We're doing great in health insurance um, statewide, even though there's always hiccups there. And locally in San Mateo County, um, uh, 99% of our children are insured regardless of citizenship. So the grades in California range from A's to D's for accountability, preventive screening, and behavioral health care. And we know just from economists, just in the early childhood field, for every $1 investment, the rate of return is anywhere from $14 to $16. So we there's lots of research to show. As you know, the earlier the better um, for the directory. And so health equity is, was definitely listed as an area of improvement for our state. Um, there's, you know, some of these are just kind of ridiculous. I'll show you a, a, a stat in a minute. So one of the things that's reported from Children Now, I think is a policy initiative, as the work they're going, it says, you know, our kids need a health system that promotes efficient care with an emphasis on prevention, early detection, and intervention and closing racial ethnic, ethnic gaps, allowing all, all kids to grow, learn, and thrive. I definitely agree with that. So jump into that 2023 report. You can categorize it by the state. You can do it regionally, and you can do it specifically to your county, which I think is really awesome. And it's a lovely report. So just locally, these are some data that just talks about and really looks at sort of the reality in our community in San Mateo County and also in California. So, you know, still CDC estimates that one in, you know, one in five children, 17% have developmental delays. So we need to get that early. Um, in our county, we're still needing a screen and to catch up with that. Um, so one in five received development of screening or 7%. And so we are working and still have strategies in place to improve that. We know that only one in four children are screened in their primary language in California. Um, and again, we get to the question of language and screening, but also about cultural fit. What is that like for families? We know that, um, you know, only as 38% of the children received their recommended visits um, um, in the first 15 months of life. We know that those touch points in your offices and health physicians are really important as a trusted messenger. Um, and we know that screening for development and social emotion delays in the medical home um, is roughly 20%. And so part of what we do as part of our work um, to support physicians and families is to think about how might we collectively um, no wrong door, wrong, wrong door approach in the medical home and preschools. How do we advocate for early detection screenings um, for babies? Here's some other information. Um, you know, parents during the pandemic are very worried about socialization and behavior. Our child care needs assessment from this year. Um, you know, over half of the parents really noted changes in their child's behavior in terms of increased anxiety, irritability. Um, um, you know, as speech and language delays. So as we have emerged or emerging still out of the pandemic, 
Um, we are seeing an increase um, um, in supports that are needed for children and babies earlier. And as mentioned early in the other presentation, there's lots of workforce challenges. So all the systems that support kids, birth to five, you know, health providers, physicians, clinicians, um, bilingual therapists, speech and language therapists, home visitors, family advocates, um, you name it, preschool teachers, their staffing challenges, uh, wages and compensation, their stress, the personal wellness. Our systems are stressed. We all have been stressed by this pandemic and, and generally. So that collective toxic stress and the way we're dealing with that promotes a challenge for all. And of course, just general health equity, um, you know, concern about housing and health and disparities, environmental justice. There's a lot going on and it is expect, expecting our babies and our children are embedded in their families and are embedded in their community. So what do we do about it? Still have a lot of work to do. And this slide is really interesting. It talks about the rate of well-child visits, which, you know, personally, I would like to see that close to 100%. So all of our babies and infants in every ethnicity and culture needs to improve uh, that point of contact for that. Now, this is from our data from 2022, and we'll see what it is from 2023. But um, you know, the opportunities to connect with your health provider or connect with your health provider who's connecting with a community-based organization to hold that family and help them navigate through the system, like Help Me Grow, um, hopefully would support raising these numbers. But we've got a lot of work to do. So just want to talk a little about a few opportunities. Um, and um, these are things that are on the horizon for us. There may be other things, um, but there are some great opportunities and trajectories that we can work towards. So um, during the pandemic, um, one of the things we did, first of all, we just um, talked to a group of families and just said, talk to us about your experience and what you're thinking, you know, and accessing services in general in the community. And we had one parent who said, you know, the system isn't broken. They're designed to be this way. And I thought that's really great. It was just really um, empowering when I read that to think about um, we may not be able to control all the levers that make change, but we are able to make some change and we're designing things the way that they are. So we've used that quote a lot in some of our interaction. But the way that, you know, I think about it and, our, and my colleagues think about work is that you know, you focus on the whole child and the family, what's going on there. They're embedded in that context, right? So it's the ecological model and it's the community. And it's both me as an individual practitioner, an individual person and the collective, me with the team and the family. There's voice and leadership. What are our, what are our families saying? What are our clients saying? It's really important to have their voice at the table. I was super excited to see that video from the, the first presentation. Um, and data is very important. And, you know, how are we utilizing the data and the context and the type of data, both quantitative and qualitative data is really important. Um, and every institution, you know, we've got these institutions, the way that we work, they've been vetted for hundreds of years. Um, and so all of that is in the mix um, through the lens of equity and through the lens of social determinants of health. Um, it's just um, thinks about the overlay and the, um, the blendedness of the work that we do is really important. That's how we think of it. And one of our favorite, um, and I'll get to the next slide, is 
for systems, when we talk about how do we design the systems or work in the programs that we work to make change, and our systems change definition is shifting conditions that keep problems in place. And what we mean by that, it's an FSG definition. It's one of the best ones that we found. Um, and really, you look at policies, you look at practices, your resource, relations, power dynamics, and mental models, all of that fits into this picture of how we may approach from our own little system in our office or our agency through the big systems that we're embedded. And this is the work that keeps, I hope, a lot of us engaged in thinking about and trying to make change. Um, there's just a lot of work to do and a lot of areas where we can make input. Every little bit counts. Um, and some of the budget wins that may help with some of this, you all may be aware of the wonderful RFPs that are going out this January, the Children, Youth, and Behavioral uh, Justice Money. This is awesome, $7 billion to support community behavioral health and workforce pathways. It's just really an exciting opportunity and more additional resources in the field to address um, um, the social emotional needs and the way that we work with families. Cal AIM. So this is California's attempt to um, sort of advance uh, Medi-Cal in a more equitable way. Um, and there's lots of details in that. I'm sure a lot of you are engaged in that, but this is an opportunity to really think about how do we further and deepen the work through Medi-Cal management to address um, um, inequities, health equities. There's new Medi-Cal coverage for community workers. So can we use community workers in our communities to make these connections and support healthcare providers in the work? Yay, the eligibility for California's early identification program. It's been a long time coming. It's a small step in the right direction to increase their rate reform to help support the folks that are doing the work. Um, the reimbursement rates for early start, I used to be a former early start provider many years ago. It was abysmal. Um, there's continuous medical coverage. Yay for kids zero to five paid family leave. I can't believe in America we're still talking about that, but it's really important. And that's a jump for us. Um, there's been investment in stabilizing the childcare field um, in, in, in California. We know that most kids go to the doctor and a lot of kids go to childcare. So those systems need to be stabilized in a way to support our families. And then, as I mentioned, local models that are really important are Help Me Grow initiative. Please get in contact with them on visiting programs, um, programs support early mental health and ACEs. Um, just about done, two slides. So these are my, my, my takeaways. And so this first one is, I love this phrase around practicing cultural humility. And we talk about cultural competence and humility to me, this, this statement is really great. And it really talks about our lifelong commitment to our value, to our self-evaluation and critique and how we address power imbalances in our relationship with clients and families and how do we mutually beneficially design programs and partnership with families? It's just a really um, humble way. It's a great article. It's been around for a while, but it's, it's just a, a stalwart to really think about um, how do we humanize the cultural aspect of our work with families. And the second quote is one I really like as we struggle between policies and funding and how do we support, you know, direct services and systems and all the things that we need to do. And what I like about it is the good change processes are bi-directional. So we have to focus on all of it. So where can we make small changes in those systems that are make those, uh, to, just to make those changes needed? I think these are my two favorite quotes to really think about that keeps me going on in the work that I do. And as I talk with my colleagues, 
And in particular, build, restore, and maintain trust. Trust is the foundation. One of my colleagues that um, she's a key leader in a Help Me Grow program, she now has an adult daughter in her early 20s who's, who's got developmental disabilities. And one of the things she shared with me, she said when she first went into the genetics clinic at UCSF, by the way, to have a conversation around her child's development, she instantly felt like the doctor was her partner and had inquiry and asked questions. And she very much felt like it was journey from the very beginning. Um, so I think, you know, what she talked about was that special relationship and just knowing that, you know, this, this provider is on the journey with me and the way that she was able to ask questions and build trust really helped her throughout the decades of her um, daughter's growth and development. So um, it is uh, just really rewarding and enriching to hear these stories and help us think about um, as we do our work daily and the huge things that we have to overcome um, to make those small changes. And again, I'll just end with the quote I started with. <laughs> these are all our kids. And we will benefit by our pay for what they become. So thank you for letting me share some of my thoughts about the work that I do and inquiry for those that we work with our families. And that's it. And these are resources at the back you'll have in your syllabus. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.com.